0: Wow, was that was that beautiful that moment? Was that beautiful? Wow. Praise the God, praise the Lord. I I, I just uh I just love that. I love when we can just kind of be a little bit spontaneous before the Lord. I'm spontaneous. My wife knows it. Um and I just like doing things like just that I'm thinking in the moment. If I had to plan stuff, I would worry about it for weeks. Or you know, if I plan stuff way far in advance, I just worry like crazy. And so I like to be a little spontaneous in that way, and I think the Holy Spirit works through the week and everything, but I think that, uh, that's very good, thank you, I appreciate that. So, um, but I think he works through the week in our lives, but I think he also works in moments where he's like, just do it, you know, like that Nike commercial, just do it, you know, and so I'm I'm a firm believer in that. Um, Today we're going to do something a little bit different. We're not going to have a PowerPoint, which is kind of weird, because I'm a young pastor, and that's... Probably weird, right? But uh, we're gonna open up our Bibles today. Is like, are you guys are you guys ready? I want to hear flipping pages. I want to hear, I want to hear, or on your phone, whatever you have around you, a tablet, uh, whatever you have. I just want to uh, want to go old school this morning. Amen. Anybody excited about this? Okay, cool. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna open up to Ezekiel thirty-seven. I just want to open up with this. This is kind of the. I felt like this was the. Ezekiel 37 was kind of the end of the last chapter in the story that we did and it kind of comes into this part of the story where we're going to talk about Daniel. So how many of you guys like Daniel? He's a super awesome dude. And Shadrach, Meshach, come on, you got to be louder. Come on, my youth are louder than this. There we go, okay, there we go. I I need you to respond when I'm like my ear, you know, I'm like, okay. Good. So we're gonna read Ezekiel 37. So if you're there, say I'm there. I'm not there. <laughs> we're not gonna wait for you. No, just kidding. Okay. So that's kidding. Thank you. By the way, when I do stuff like that, I'm not really picking on people. I'm just having fun. Okay. So just so you know. So don't don't take if you take it personally. I'm sorry. I just like to have fun, and I'm not meaning anything mean by it. So. All right, hopefully it makes you laugh too and gets you to be like a little bit more relaxed at church because, you know, because God's word can be heavy sometimes, right? All right, let's, let's read this. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. And who's me? Can anybody say who this is? Ezekiel, the prophet, okay. He was, uh, just so you, so before I read this, he was, um, uh, what was the lady's name? I forgot. Tell me the lady's name. That was trying to kill him. Jezebel, thank you. <laughs> yes, yeah, you know, it happens. I have 3 kids and I just moved into a new house. And if you know, I didn't tr- I'm not actually matching today because I could not find any of my shoes. So, I just grabbed whatever I could find in my house today and so here I am. Praise the Lord. Okay. So, can we read? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I don't know how you would answer that question. I'd be like, uh. that would be a moment where you'd be like, you know the scripture where it says, anything's possible with you, God? But you'd be like, bones? Like, it would test your faith, right? He said, I said, O oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. That's a good answer, Amen. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Uh, Okay, okay, God, you want me to say to these bones, you want me to talk to them, you want me, uh, okay, got this. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath and enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, and that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life, and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. If you feel that way today, this is the word for you today. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, O my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and I have done it, declares the Lord. Amen. So um, I was at a campfire recently, and uh, with Dave Kula, thank you for inviting us out to your house. That was awesome, really lots of fun. And uh, we, were, we were doing s'mores and, you know, getting the chocolate and the marshmallows and the graham crackers, and we were putting our marshmallows on the little sticks and, you know, putting them over the fire, and, and, um, and somebody was taking pictures <laughs> And so as I am, I would uh, just take, I took my marshmallow. If you haven't seen this on Facebook, I could have a picture, but I don't. But I took my poker in the marshmallow, and I went like this. And, and as they were taking a picture, I was kind of posing for the camera. Do you ever do that? Like when someone's taking a picture, you just start posing? Like, you know, whatever. And, and so I'm like, and my wife goes, that's not how guys blow out a marshmallow. And I'm like, well, I'm posing, honey. And and she's like, that's not how you do it. And so I go, okay, this is how you do it. And so she goes, yep, that's exactly how you blow out a marshmallow. But you know what? One One of the challenges of our generation is going to be that we don't be posers like that. That we don't live our lives just just because the camera is showing or because we're in church or because we're out and somebody says we're a Christian, but we live our lives for Christ even before people even know that we're a Christian. Can we? Can I get an amen? And we live our lives for Christ even before we even walk in this building on Sunday. And we live our Christ because people are, are tired of people who just pose, who do this like, there's no power in that. There's no power in posing, amen. There's no power. Just do it yourself. Like wh- wh- just do this with me. Like, do the little breath like. There's no power in that. But now now do the breath like. There's power in that, amen. That's that's not posing, that's living our life for God. And so we're gonna pick up this story in Daniel. So if you want to flip in your Bible to Daniel, it's in the Old Testament. And it's right after Ezekiel. So if you were there you're going to still be there, so, and we're going to learn about some young men who were definitely not posers, and definitely were the real deal, okay? And so, say, I'm the real deal. Come on, I want to hear you. I'm the real deal. There we go. I am not a poser. Amen. That's what we want to be, and so we're going to pick it up in Daniel here, and uh, this is going to be good stuff. So, I'm just going to try to work through this really quick, and, uh, so, um, and men, have you ever been in the doghouse before or the men in the church? You ever been in that doghouse, the place where, you know, you have to leave your bedroom and go sleep on the couch? You ever been there before? I was, I was thinking about that as I was reading Daniel and being in exile, like how sometimes when my wife will say, you're not allowed in the bedroom tonight. Like, it's just like, you're it's not allowed here. And I'm like, uh-oh, what did I do? And you know you dig a hole that you didn't even know you dug, you know, that's really bad. (laughs) You're like, I don't even know I dug a hole, what happened here? And now all of a sudden I'm on the couch. And so as men, you know, you gotta make the best of your opportunity. You gotta make the best of the situation, right? You gotta still grow and you still gotta like, you know, hey. So I'm like, Well, I got my T V out here, that's okay. My refrigerator's a lot closer. So I guess I'm late night snacking tonight. This is good, right? And so you kinda make the best of the situation, knowing that it's not gonna last forever. But, you know, you miss your bed because your bed has your comfy pillow. I have a pillow that has my a little hole in the middle, so my neck, like, fits perfectly in it, you know. And then, and then my bed's really comfortable, but the couch is not like that. And then I have to use these brown pillows for my couch that are soft and too soft, and my head hurts all night, and it's just... Bu- so I... So the moral of the story is here, don't get in the doghouse, amen? And so this is I kind of felt that way like Daniel and his people are in exile, they're, they're Israelites and they're, they're kind of in this place where they're not in comfort and they're not in a place where they have they, they can worship God, they're not in a place where they can enjoy God and, but they still can, but the nation is evil, the nation is not about God they are completely against, it's a pagan place, it's the Babylonian empire and the king is Nebuchadnezzar my favorite Nebuchadnezzar, if you've never seen Veggie Tales, is the Veggie Tale Nebuchadnezzar. So if you ever get a chance to see Veggie Tales, watch that. It'll be good. So here we go. So story of Daniel in exile, there's this, it begins with um, they, they try to find these young men. King Nebuchadnezzar wants to find some young men to lead the other Israelite people. And so he's looking for people who are, um, if you look in Daniel one seventeen, so it says that he's looking for men that are... Um, These four young men, and this is what he was kind of looking for. It says, These four young men, God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. And so as they are in exile, they're still learning. They're not complaining. They're not like, oh, geez, we're in exile. We're in this place that no one worships God. Oh, well, uh, people are just pagan. Oh, it's just awful. Did you see that sign that was on the highway? Oh, man, they, they weren't complaining. They were learning. They were growing. They were reading God's word. and they were, And they were becoming young men that were driven by God, that were the real deal okay and so this is so this is them and so they are in this place and and so they're learning and they're growing and they're understanding and so this is why Nebuchadnezzar kind of chooses them and so he has this little test to do and he says I'm gonna have you guys eat um the choice royal food and all that stuff and and Daniel's like I'm not gonna eat that because that's defiled that is that is given to another god so I'm just not gonna do that and so he comes to, the, comes to the guy, I think his name is Ashpanaz or something like that. I don't remember for sure. But, and he comes to him and he says, hey, I'm not going to eat this. Or he didn't say I'm not going to eat the royal food, but he says, uh, just let us eat vegetables and, and uh, water for like 10 days and see if we're as healthy as the other guys. And so he takes a stand for God right away. Daniel does says I'm not eating food that's dedicated to idols. I'm not de- I'm not eating food that you dedicated to a wooden statue that you created. I'm not eating that food. I am worshiping and glorifying God in all that I do. Amen. And so Daniel takes this and he's in Daniel 117. And so here we go. And so he he takes these, uh he eats the vegetables and he looks as good as the other guys, and even they look better than the other guys. It says this, if you read on, it says they look better than the other guys, and so they so they thought, hey, these are the these are the guys that we need to pick. And so Daniel and um his buddies, um they actually become big in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. So um, so go on to the story. So Daniel is still there in the story and then God uh, has this dream over Nebuchadnezzar and this dream is really, um, really bothers him and so he puts out this thing and he says, hey, um, anybody who cannot interpret this dream, I'm going to pretty much destroy you that's what he's saying if, i'm gonna I'm gonna send my astrologers my enchanters my magicians my my guys my the guys that tell me what my dreams are supposed to be and he says if you don't interpret my dreams i'll destroy you and so here so so this story goes on and, and Daniel finds out about this and daniel starts freaking out because daniel's like i am, i'm a uh, I'm a wisdom guy too just like those guys so he's gonna come and get me. So what does Daniel do if you look in the story, Daniel 2:27 um or before that actually, he says praise be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. This is verse 20, sorry. Uh, in his in Daniel 2. He changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, O God, of my fathers. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. So I'm sorry I have to back up because that's not the right verse I want to read. But what happens is Daniel goes and he says, God, have mercy upon me. Show me what this dream is, otherwise I'm going to die. I mean, he's just, he's seeking God. He's saying, I can't, I can't do this without you. He's asking me to interpret this dream and I, I just can't do it, God. And so he goes, to, he goes to God. He says, have mercy on me. He even asks his brothers, you know, in times of need, we ask our brothers for prayer, Right. Amen. He asks his his brothers Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, "Hey man, pray with me. I need to. I need to have an answer here." And so God answers him and gives him the interpretation of the dream. And that's why he says this praise here. And then in two, and then it goes on. And, and Nebuchadnezzar says, "Well, uh, wow, this is awesome. You know, you're, you're so you're kind of like you're. This is amazing. You interpreted my dream." And he's like, "No, no." In, in two twenty seven, he says, "No, no. I no, this is God." I am here in exile, and this is, what I, this is what I believe about exile. Exile, where Daniel is, is a place, is an opportunity for people to know God who do not know him. And so here he is, and he's like, hey, this, this, is, this has come on. And he says, no, wise men, enchanters, magicians, diviners, diviners can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you lay on your bed are these. And so he goes on and he tells him the dream and the visions, and he talks about his kingdom is going to end and all that stuff. And, and so um, we go on in the story. And so a note here at this part, though, is this, because um, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream and what I've been reading a lot is studying a little bit this week. And just so you know, some of you might be interested in this, some of you might not be, but that's okay. Just hear it. Um, this dream that Nebuchadnezzar has is kind of for an unbeliever. So it 'd be like somebody doesn 't believe in God, and then Daniel has a dream later that 's for the believer and so god 's working in the dreams of to show what 's going to happen in the future and this is a book of Daniel, of course, is a book of prophecy if you don 't know of of end time things and also of um, the people going back to the land that they were promised by God so anyways we 're going to continue on here, and so we had so a little while later, Nebuchadnezzar gets this idea to build this giant statue. You remember that 90 feet tall, nine feet wide, and he's like, everybody in the nation needs to bow down to this statue. And then the three guys, they don't do what? They don't, they don't bow down, right? And so you pick it up in Daniel 3, uh, Daniel 3:16 here. If you want to look on Daniel 3.16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. You know, there's something going on um, in America today, and I was actually talking with some teenagers about this a few weeks ago. And I was, I said, "Hey, what if, um, what if, uh, what if a homosexual couple wanted to get married, and they asked me to do it?" And they, and they, I said, "What would you tell me to do?" And and they said to me, they said, "Well, you can't." And I was like, "Amen, church. Thank you for you know, but." I said I can't because it's not because, it's not because I I, I, I say I can't because that's what God's words teaches that's between a man and a woman, is marriage. That's why I can't do that. And, and see, I will, I will be in a place possibly of Daniel at some point in my life where I will have to maybe choose and say I can't do that because God's word says this. We, I just can't go on that conviction I can't live under that. No, I'm not against. I'm not against them. I, I, I I'm not. I'm not saying this. I, I care for them. I believe that they're deceived. I believe that they need the gospel as as good as anybody else does. But it is in our day. It's in our time. In our day, and it's happening right before eyes, and you guys know it. But 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 you have to stand up for your convictions if if you believe in the sanctity of human life. You got to stand up for that conviction. Don't let people just go, oh, well, you know, there's, there's these factors in that. And I, I, there are factors, yes, but those are less than 2% of the time. The other percent of the time it's just because people want to. So if you believe in that, you've got to stand up for your convictions. If you believe in the Word of God and what it says, you've got to stand up. Just like them in here, it says they, they weren't going to bow down to this idol. They, weren't gonna, they knew that they were going to bow down to this king, and they said, we only bow our knee to one. That's it. We don't bow our knees to anybody else. And so it's kind of like if you're a Packer fan, you don't watch the Bears. I mean, it's just I mean, you don't. You just don't do that. Yeah, I don't know who watches the Bears, but. <laughs> and Daniel, uh, we just continue on here, and uh, so they don't they don't bow down. We know this story. They were thrown in the fiery furnace for not uh, not bowing down to the statue, and and uh, the two guards that throw them in there, they burn right away because it's so hot. And Nebuchadnezzar is so mad. He's like, I'm so furious with these guys. And so he throws them in there, and his own guards burn up. That's a terrible job. Amen? Anybody want that job? And so they throw them in there, and all of a sudden they're like, look. In verse 26, 25, 325, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed. Not even a singe on them, amen? This is, this, is, this is an amazing story. I mean, I've read this so many times, but I still get amazed by this. And, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Wow, this is cool. So here's my interpretation of this, what I have studied and understand about the fourth, son, the fourth person in here. Um, before the incarnation of Jesus at birth, as a born as a baby, I believe he came in the Old Testament because he has always been. You know, when they, they asked him, they said, "Well, who are you to say that you can do this?" And he said, and, he's, and Jesus is talking to these uh, religiously. He says, "Before Abraham, I am." And, and probably, well, you're, "You're what? I am what? I no, I am." I've always been, and I, and, I was, and I was thinking about this this week. I'm like, and when he says, I am, he says, I am perfect. I am holy. I am righteous. I have been from the beginning. I know your days. I have numbered them. I know who you are. I know exactly what I called you to do. I know the giftings that I have given to each and every one of you. I, you think you're just going to some college because you're like, oh, I picked that one? No, I, I, I have that for you. I know what's going to happen in your life. I know the days that you have. You still have dreams, and you still have a future. You still have to live out, but he has ordained it. He has given you life. He's given you breath, and he's saying, I am, and so I believe this fourth one came to be in the fire, and you know, this is the thing that I, that I see about this, because some people, some, I don't know what, what this is, but some people just believe that, you know, Jesus just showed up in the New Testament all of a sudden, and no, he's been there the whole time. God's been there the whole time. And he comes into the fiery furnace. So what, so what fiery furnace is going on in your life? What's burning in your life? What, what's your issue? What's your problem? They, they come into this. They believe that God's going to save them, but even if he doesn't save them, they know that they have eternity with him. That's what a lot of people on the mission field, they know and they believe with all their heart, is that if they proclaim Christ in front of ISIS or any other group, that they are going to heaven. And they don't they don't worry, they don't stress about it, they don't fear, they don't... And it's like, I'm going, I'm going to be with God, what, what do I have to stress and worry about? And so... So this is amazing. And so they come out, and, and uh, Nebuchadnezzar says, you know, some amazing things about God in the next few chapters. And how many of you guys read this story this week, by the way? Anybody get a chance to read? Now you're raising your hand. Other people are like, oh, man, I didn't read this week. <laughs> that's okay. I just wanted to ask because I wanted to see how many people maybe had read. How many of you guys are familiar with Daniel, this whole story? There we go. All right. We're getting some participation here, so that's good. All right, so we go on the story so they so they 're saved and they're and they're here, and then this new king comes along, his name is Belshazzar, and he 's terrible. he takes all the gold stuff out of the temple, and he's he 's just awful I mean he 's just worshiping, and he puts these gold uh, statues that are supposed to be in god 's temple, and he throws them down on the ground in front of his statues, and they 're worshiping their gods and their idols and their different things, and all of a sudden this and uh, verse, um, if it's verse 5, 5 through 6 here in Daniel, if you want to turn to f- chapter 5, verse 5 through 6. It says, Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale I'm pretty sure that my face would turn pale if I see a hand writing something on the wall that's not supposed to be there. I mean, I don't know if you guys' face would turn pale, but I would probably turn pale. And so here, so here's this, his face turns pale. He was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. And so basically he did this and, you know, he fell on the ground because, because he was like, what in the world's going on here? And so here's the writing on the wall. If you turn to Daniel five twenty-two through 28, this is what the writing on the wall says. It says, and uh, by the way, this is Daniel again. They go and find him because they're like, we need somebody to interpret this writing. And so like Daniel's the one that knows stuff. Let's get Daniel again. And so Daniel comes in and Daniel's playing an important role again in this, obviously in the story of God. And so here he is again, he says, but you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself though you knew all this. And so what, he, what he's saying is that um, he, he knew stuff because of his dad. He knew stuff about God because of his dad, because what his dad had known from the experience that his dad had in life, the, the times that God showed up and did things in the midst of him through Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, through Daniel. And so he knew these things, but yet he did not humble himself before God. And so he says, though you knew all this, and said you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, the bronze and iron, wood and stone, bad idea by the way, if you didn't know that already, which cannot see or hear or understand. So God, God's kind of making fun of these idols. He's like, they can't see, they can't hear, they can't understand. Why are you worshiping them? like, really? And, and so he's kind of making fun of him here and says, uh, we just go on here and says, but you did not honor the God who holds his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This inscription that was written, uh, mene mene tekel parsin, this is what these words mean. Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel, you have been weighed on the scales and found wanting and perez. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes. And the Persians, and so here's in the story we keep going, and so the story keeps going, and the kingdom is torn from Belshazzar, and he actually dies pretty quickly after this, and um, and so uh, so here we go, so um, a decree comes out, now a new king is in order, and Darius is his name, Darius is the king. Everybody say Darius. We're gonna we're gonna get through this story, and then I got some good things for you. So he decrees that these guys are trying, these guys. Um, find out that Daniel is just succeeding and he's doing well and God's with him and they're getting mad because he's going to be the top administrator in Darius's court and so they're upset how many do you guys have anybody in your jobs that are trying to take your job out like, you ever had that happen? People are behind, they're trying to take you out. They don't, they don't like you. They don't like your personality. They think that you're better than them maybe at what your job, and so they get frustrated. Or maybe you're not better than them, and you just have a position. And they're trying to take you out, and that's what's happening here. They're trying to take Daniel out, and so they try to find corruption and fault in him, but they can't find any corruption or fault in him. And so they go, what does Daniel do? Oh, yeah, Daniel prays every day to God. And so the decree goes out that no one can pray to anybody but Darius for the next 30 days. What's Daniel do? He pretty much says, forget that. You guys are like, forget that. I'm not I'm not following that. I'm going to go pray to my God because I know my God is greater than any decree or anything that people put upon me. I, I'm going to pray to my God. And so he goes and he prays to his God, and, of course, the guys find out, and the story happens, and then he goes, anybody that does this is going to be throwing the lion's Then And so the the king is grieved because he really likes... Daniel obviously if you're going to put somebody in the top administrator spot you like him right? I mean it's like hey and so he's grieving over him and he's like I don't want to throw him in the lions den. I don't want to I don't want to do this and so he takes him and and verse um, um we just go on and of course he goes in the lions den and and the Lord saves him. He has no he doesn't get torn up by the lions. He doesn't even get touched by the lions. God saves him. And in verses 25 through 27, it says this, Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language throughout the land, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. This is amazing that King Darius is saying this. For he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Alright, so then this is kind of the kind of the part of the story that I'm going to end on and uh, we'll continue at the end of the message here a little bit. But I want to point out something, and this is something that really came out to me and stuck out to me as I was reading the story. That that God has a faithful remnant. What does that even mean? Like, what's it, Casey, Pastor Casey? What is a faithful remnant? What does that even mean? It means that he has he has some put aside for his purposes. So he has some people that are put aside for his purposes here on earth. And even in the times when they were in exile and they, the Israelites had seen their land plundered and their houses broken into and everything destroyed, the temple of God everything broken and, and messed up, everything that they had their hopes and their dreams in, everything that they desired and wanted, and every, their whole land, everything that God had promised, sat there destroyed. I know how my son feels when my other son comes in my oldest son likes to build Legos and he's got these Legos and he builds them super tall and then Matai the destroyer, my three-year-old, comes in and like takes the, all the Legos and, you know, tosses them or kicks them or whatever and and it's destroyed and Teason just sits there and he's like, no! You know, like, that's my Lego set! And that's how these people were like, this is this is our country, this is our place, this is God promised us and now we're living in this place and Yet in the midst of that, God had faithful people, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, these faithful remnant people. And so um, so I kind of looked up the word remnant in the Bible, and I got to Revelation 12, 17. And this is what I kind of wanted to kind of hit on here before we go on a little bit further. Um, Revelation twelve seventeen. If you want to turn there, you can look at it. But there's two things in that verse. It says a, a faithful remnant is somebody who keeps the commandments of God, first and foremost, and lives on the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so, keeping the commandments of God. What are the main commandments of God? Amen, sister. That's right. The main commandments are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Now the commandments, the Ten Commandments, all line up with those two verses, or those two the love God and love other people, right? So you simplify, you say love God, love people. Those are commands of God. Love him, love the people around you. And then you live on the testimony of Jesus. And... I read a lot of different things about this, and and honestly, I think what they were trying to get at was that Jesus and what he's done is the testimony, but it has to be personalized, amen? It has to be something that you have officially experienced in your life. It's like when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fire. They believed that God was going to save them and keep them from all harm, but until Jesus showed up in that fire, that's when they knew that he was the Son of God. And some people yet, maybe in this room today, need to experience who he is and and know that he is walking in that same fire with you, whatever that is in your life today, that you have a personal testimony to be had. It's yours for the taking. You just got to take it. He has promised that if you believe in him and you repent of your sin, that he will be with you. And so that offer is there, and you just got to take it. The offer is right to you. It's, it's to be had. It's to be given to you. He's already provided it through, through, the blood of, through, through the blood of himself, Jesus. And so all you have to do is take it. It's a free gift. It's an offering that he gives to us. And so, that's, that, is, so that is the faithful remnant of people that keep the commands of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so, so this remnant is to be a faithful sum rather than the whole. So we want to be part of the sum. And the some are the ones that are real. The some are the ones that are not posers. The some are the ones that God has anointed, He has gifted, He has blessed, He has given His Spirit to live in through Jesus Christ. That's what we want to be the sum. And so here's so so this young boy, I don't know if you guys heard about this a young boy on a on a on a cold morning went to this flagpole at his school. I don't know if you guys heard this story. And he went there, and he was all alone. His mom pulls up beside him because, you know, she's a good mom. You know, moms are going to do that and pull up and say, hey, do you want me to stay with you, son? And he's like, no, this is my school. And I'm going to fight for this school. This is my own words, what he said, but I'm going to fight for this school. And I'm going to pray for every kid that's here. I'm going to pray for every teacher. And I'm going to pray for every single one. And I don't care if no one else joins me at this flagpole today, but I am gonna do I'm gonna be the sum. I'm not gonna be the whole. I'm not gonna follow the crowd. I'm gonna follow Jesus. I'm not gonna follow the things that my family put in store for me. I'm gonna follow what Christ says for me because He is the one that I want to follow. And that day at that flagpole, that young man started a revival. I believe it. Because you have to believe that anyone that wants to stand in front of a flagpole by themselves that God is gonna use. For his kingdom, it's just like Daniel standing before and Shadrach and Meshach and them standing up in the midst of thousands of people and saying, "I will not bow down to you, King. I will not bow down to your statue." And and so, th- if we want to be faithful like these guys, we want to be a faithful church. Faithful like Smith, we be faithful, man. We got to know what the church is supposed to do. We, we got to study. If you want to write this down, study Revelation chapter 2 and 3. If you want to know how the church is supposed to be faithful, chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation. Read the books of First and Second Corinthians. Read the book of Acts, how God worked mightily through these different people. To be faithful, we need faithful messengers like Jeremiah, like Daniel, like Elijah and Ezekiel and prophets that we have read about. We need men like Abraham who trusted God and took him at his word, like David, a man after his heart. Not perfect men, but men that believe deep down above anything else that God is the God of this world, and since he is the God of this world, that he is the God of their life. Are you with me, church, on pursuing this calling of being a faithful remnant? Because I believe that the challenge of this this Daniel story is not just a story for back then. I believe it's for now. Because I believe that we are going to have days where we are looking at we are gonna called to be faithful in the midst of a challenge. Something's gonna come at us. Some challenge is gonna come at us that that is that God is going to put into our life that He would say, "Are you gonna be? Are you gonna be the sum, or are you gonna be the whole? Are you gonna are you gonna fast up to what you did wrong? Are you gonna are you gonna are you gonna say, God, I did wrong by you, and I did wrong by this person,' and fix it?" Or are you going to be a part of the whole that just goes about their life like I never do anything wrong, I'm, I'm perfect, I'm, I'm right, I'm good? Are, are we going to be faithful to sharing the gospel when people don't want us to share it? Are we going to be faithful to the calling of God? Because these, that is what we're called to do. And so I just want to give you these points quick. And I'm going to give you some Bible verses if you want to write these down to read them this week because I'm going to challenge you to do this because it will help you. And so um, so these are, these are just things that I got from the story that I'm just going to give you real quick because you need to have these. So take your pen and your pencil out. This will help, um, help you this week as you're thinking about the message here. So um, let's see here. Oh, goodness gracious, where is my, all right, so number one, um, they did not eat the food dedicated to idols, and read 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 13, and our life is dedicated to God. Sometimes we will do things that people will go, that weaker people will not understand that we're doing, and they'll go, why are you doing that? And and we go, well, I just have freedom in Christ. And so I want you to read that I want you to read that section, First Corinthians eight, one through thirteen. That the, the reason that they didn't want to defile themselves by eating food, but I also believe that they didn't want to show people that they want to show people that they had a different God than what they were worshiping. And so that's what we want to do in our world, because we live in a world that needs to see that. And so number two, you they did not bow down to the statue. Read Exodus twenty. Verses 3 through 5. Um, so the, so, and then the third one is um, they didn't want to, they, they were going to pray. They were going to pray. They didn't care what was going on. Do you know today there are schools filled with prayer? There are teachers that are praying. There are teachers that are Christians who get together and they pray at schools. I know that there's, there's no prayer allowed in schools but they still get together and they pray. There are fellowship of Christian athletes groups on campuses that pray. There are, there are groups that are all around. And so I, I want you to know that sometimes we think, well, there's no school, there's no prayer in school because they said there can't be prayer in school. No, there's teachers praying. There's fellowship of Christian athletes groups. There are good things going on. Um, number two in prayer, your workplaces are filled with prayer because you are there. Amen. Because you work somewhere or your home is filled with prayer. Your community, your city is filled with prayer because you work there. Don't believe. Some people say, man, work is such a pagan place. No, it's it's God's place because you work there. You take it back. You say, God, this is my place. This is your place. This is the place where you dwell. This is the place where your spirit dwells. This is the place where you affect all that goes on. And you pray and you seek the Lord for your workplace, for your families, for your home. You seek him out. You don't listen to the no prayer thing. You seek out the Lord. Our neighborhoods are filled with prayer. And so the verses for the last one are 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 2 through 3. So, And then our neighborhoods are filled with prayer because you live there. Acts 17, 24 through 27, talks about that God ordained the place where you live. He, he called you, he, you. I live in Croninwater now because that's where God wanted me to live. I'm in that neighborhood because God wants me to live there. I am scared. I was scared to death last night. I was—we were up at like ten o'clock, and there's red and blue and white sirens going right by our house, and I'm like, "What is going on?" And then all of a sudden, our security light goes on in the front yard, and my wife's like, "Why did that security light go on?" And I'm like, "I don't know. I'm, I'm freaking out too." But God put us in these places in our in our neighborhoods, in our in our influences, in our spheres, to to see the kingdom of God, so people could know Him, and that we may be a faithful remnant in the midst of that. And so, um, and the last, the, the part that really probably is the most um, encouraging is the part about where um, the hand wrote on the wall, and I believe that was God's handwriting and wrote on the wall, but the, to know that God's in control of all things. God is in control of every single event. We've in the story, God's been in control, Right? He's been sending people. He's been sending his prophets out. He's been sending the kings. People ask for a king. They get a bunch of different kings. They get a bunch of different leaders that don't love God. They get people that do love God. They get people that don't love God. They get people that do love God. It's just a continuous cycle. And, but God is still in control. God is still doing and leading in his purposes. And so I wanted to close with Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14, and you guys probably all know this verse or this section. It's, it's written on many graduation cards. It's written on, it, it's probably a verse that I quote a lot to young people. It, it, it's a verse that now you can maybe see all of what is going on before this verse comes into play in history that they're in exile, these people, everything's torn down, the things that I shared this morning. But here's the verse, that's how we're going to close this morning. It says, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 through 14. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. God's in control. God's in control. And the the question for us this morning, are we going to be under that control? Are we going to be under that power? Are we going to be under that glory? Are we going to live our lives as the sum and not the whole? Are we going to be the real deal? Or are we just going to be some posers that go to church, act like we're Christians? But are we going to live the real life, the true life in Jesus I'm gonna ask this morning, I just kinda of was sitting there this morning to pray, and then I'm gonna ask. I'm just gonna sit up here. Normally I go to the back and greet people, but can somebody, Matt, can you do that this morning or something? I'm just gonna sit up here and if anybody wants to pray with me, if anybody needs prayer, if anybody wants to be that remnant and they're struggling in their life to do that, if anybody wants to be faithful, but there's like I just don't know how. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you just to come up, and I, I want to pray for you this morning. If any other overseers want to join me, welcome to do that, to pray with people this morning. We're just going to offer that. I really feel that's from the Lord for somebody because I, I felt that this morning. So um, let's pray together, and uh, thank you guys for your attention. God, we just praise you. We glorify your name. Thank you for how you've been faithful through history that you've been the God of the beginning, you're the God in the middle, you're going to be the God in the end. And there is no one like you, Jesus. There has not been anyone like you. There will not be another one like you. Many will come to deceive people. Many will come to say that they are the Christ. Many will come to say that they have this religion or this, faith or this belief or whatever, and there is no one that can stand the test of time to you, Jesus. And I ask that you would bless people with your presence, your glory. I ask if anybody hasn't turned their life over to you, that they would do that this morning as they feel called by you that you have called them, that you have asked them, that you say any whosoever would call upon my name would be saved. And so I pray that prayer for people. I pray for people who want to be faithful and are struggling to be faithful. I pray your blessing. I pray your power in their life. I pray your spirit would empower them to live above the whole and be the sum And, Lord, I ask you just to bless those who are faithful, that they would continue to be faithful to the end, that they would not give up, that they would not give up in their their aches and their pains and their bodies, but they would be faithful to you, God, to pray, to live a life of integrity, to pursue you. We love you. We praise you. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.